Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. Amen. Listen, how, how many of you were here uh, throughout the entire convocation? Just lift your hand if you were here throughout the entire convocation. Amen. 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 Uh, there's a certain theme um, that had emerged and not by our doing. Amen. It was the doing of the Spirit of God. Meet me in Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, uh, beginning with verse 22. Amen. Beginning with verse 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And we're going to read all the way down to verse 33. Uh, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, holler, wait on me. All right. When you get it, say amen. All right. Matthew chapter 14, uh, chapter 14 verse 22. The word of the Lord says, immediately. Jesus made his disciples, made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. She didn't know how, how in the house she was. While he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away. He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. That's something that we don't practice that we need to. It's called solitude. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat, somebody say the boat. Yeah. The boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. For the wind was contrary. I want you to mark that term, contrary. For the wind is singular too. The wind was contrary. You see that? Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them. It's, it's very familiar. He went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, somebody say immediately. <laughs> Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, 
command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And Peter, and when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, first it was contrary, now it's boisterous. He was afraid. Beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, somebody say, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. (laughs) And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Father, bless us. Cause us, Lord, to see the text not through the eyes of familiarity. But through the eyes of revelation, illuminate our hearts and our minds by your spirit. Cause us, God, to see the relevance of your word for right now. Remove, God, every barrier, every hindrance. God, stand up in me and Speak with my mouth and cause your people to hear your word and see your face and not my countenance. Bless us tonight with a word in season. In Jesus' name, amen. As you take your seat, look at your neighbor and tell them confidence in the face of the contrary. Look at somebody else and tell them confidence in the face. Look, do it like this. In the face of the contrary. Look at somebody else and tell them confidence in the face of the contrary. Amen. You may be seated. Without debate. We are living in what the Bible calls perilous times. Societal degeneration and times of distress are upon us like never before. The pressures of daily life are compounded by the reciprocal effects of selfishness and greed. The lasciviousness or the unrestrained lust that exists in our society has given place to extreme desperation. And we all know too well that desperate people do desperate things. And when desperation is extreme, ordinary people can become desperately dangerous. 
people are being shaken at their very core uh, of the very core of their being because of what's going on in our nation be, uh, in terms of the economy and the violence and, and people are spiraling out of control and families are put, being put in a position to choose uh, between uh, putting gas in their vehicle and food on their table. Thus, we have found ourselves in the belly of a modern day slave ship dressed up with the niceties of pleasure and technology. But the truth of the matter is folk are literally losing their minds because of the times of distress that we live in. These are the kind of times that have a way of, of exposing the authenticity of our faith in God. These are the kinds of times that will reveal whether we really believe and follow God or not. These are the kinds of times when people are looking for assurance because they are unaware of their survival. People are unaware. They don't even know where their help is coming from. This is the type of uncertainty that, that characterized the audience of Jesus on the seashore. The Bible says that as Jesus departed to go to a desert place, multitudes of people followed him on foot out of the surrounding cities. And Jesus had compassion on them and healed them, uh, uh, all the sick and the infirm that was among them. And Jesus also took five loaves of bread and two fish and miraculously fed 5,000 families. Tell somebody, tell them now that's a miracle. Afterwards, the crowd wanted to make Jesus their king because he healed their sick and satisfied their hunger, but, but, but not because they really believed that he was God in the flesh and savior of the world. It is amazing how people will deify someone or something and idolize someone uh, 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 who will just provide a measure of necessity for them. However, Jesus knew that their motives were not pure, so he sent the crowd away. Oftentimes what we do is we try to coddle the crowd. When a crowd shows up at the church, we get happy. But, but there comes a time where you have to learn how to separate from the crowd. Tell somebody, tell them, you got to learn how to separate from the crowd. And, and, and so and so Jesus sent the crowd away because Jesus knew uh, uh, that, 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 that their motives were impure. But he also sent his uh, disciples away from the crowd across the lake by boat. Now, notice that Jesus sent his disciples away from the crowd because the crowd was only motivated by what Jesus could provide for them and not because they truly wanted wanted to be his disciples and so this is why we must be 
beware of the crowd, especially in desperate times. Because during desperate times, you can be sure that the crowd is only uh, motivated by what relieves them of the pressures of the desperate time. And so now Jesus' disciples sailed across the lake on uh, on their way to the other side and a storm arose. A storm arose. Now, notice that the text says that Jesus made them get in the boat to go to the other side. And he separated them from the crowd by making them get in the boat to sail to the other side. Touch somebody and tell them God is on a mission in your life. To not only separate you from the crowd, but to get you in a position where you can see his face and his hand work at the same time. The Bible says a storm arose. Now, now, now storms are a part of life. Storms are indicative of the fact of our very existence. Thus, if you are not in a storm, you're coming out of a storm. And if you're not coming out of a storm, you're going into a storm. Therefore, storms are inevitable. How many of you are in a storm right now? How many of y'all just came out of a storm? How many of y'all see the storm coming? somebody tell them storms are inevitable yeah 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 yeah. they're inevitable if you live on planet earth you're gonna encounter a storm if you would follow jesus sir ma'am you will encounter a storm So as we exegetically examine the experience of the disciples in the text watch this we shall discover Although storms are inevitable, that God has given us some assurances, not insurance, assurance. Yeah, you were in the house. The first assurance that he gave us is the very fact that he sent us into the storm look at somebody and tell them he sent you there verse 22 said immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away now notice Jesus knew that the storm was coming and he deliberately sent them into it by virtue of the fact that Jesus sent them into the storm this indicates that the disciples were in the will of God and what we need to see here is that there's two kinds of storms there's the storm of correction when we're disobedient to God but then there's the storm of perfection when we're in the will of God touch somebody and tell them don't judge me by my storm I can't get no witnesses in here don't judge me by my storm Don't judge me by what I'm going through. The 
measure of God working in your life and the measure of your devotion to God does not is not manifested by your circumstances. You can't measure somebody's faithfulness to God just because they're going through a storm. Tell somebody and tell them you can't stop there. Because there's two kinds of storms. There's storms of correction when we are out of line with God. And then there's storms of perfection when God helps us grow. The disciples were in the storm because they obeyed Christ and he was perfecting their faith. I I wonder how many people in here are in a storm because you were obedient to God. Tell somebody, tell them, I ain't do nothing. All I did was obey God. And then I looked around and found myself in a storm. Touch a neighbor, tell him, it wasn't my doing. He made me get in the boat. He told me to go to the other side. The disciples were in the will of God because they were obeying Christ and he was perfecting their faith. And many Christians falsely believe that that obedience to Christ means that life will be smooth sailing. But that's a false assumption. Now, some of us encounter storms because we just plain old stubborn, stubborn and disobedient. And the storm, watch this, and, 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 and the storm is a consequence to our rebellious action against God. The problem with storms of correction is that they last longer because hard-headed children fail to learn their lesson. And these kinds of storms will rob you of the joy of your salvation. And that's why many of us go into storms and lose stuff and lose things. Because God want to get us back on focus again. But you can be in the storm and be obedient to God. When you find yourself in the storm because you have obeyed the Lord, we must remember that he brought us there and he will care for us there and he will bring us out. I I might be in the eye of the storm, but God sent me here. So I'm in the nucleus of God's will, no matter what happens to me. Sometimes you got to just learn how to accept where you are. You got to learn how to accept where you are. And, 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 and your obedience to God in the storm is key. Because it is your obedience to God that he's, he's, he's perfecting obedience. When you're obedient to him and find yourself in a storm, he's perfecting your obedience. 
touch somebody and tell them God's trying to get something out of me. God's trying to get something into me. God's trying to shape, shape my life. God's trying to chisel that rough edge off of me. And oftentimes, see, the, the, the problem, the problem with, with hu- human beings is, is that we don't, we, don't, we don't change and transform in the context of relaxation. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't change and transform in the context of vacation. When, when, when there's absence of trouble, there, there is, there is very little change and transformation. We see this in, 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 in the, uh, in the caterpillar. The caterpillar must spin the cocoon and the cocoon is agitated. And troubled in order for change to take place, in order for you to transform and live your life on another dimension, you're gonna have to go through some storms. Tell somebody, tell them it's a teaching tool. Watch this, watch this. He didn't send you into the storm to perish. He sent you into the storm so that you can get a revelation of who he is and who you are in him. The second assurance is this. Is although he sent you into the storm, he will meet you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he will meet you there. T- touch your neighbor. Tell him. He'll meet you there. The Bible says in verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the water. And so God says, I'm going to send you into the middle of the storm surrounded by water so that I can show you that I'm the God of the water as well as the God of the storm and the wind. The fourth watch is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. This is the time of day when the sun begins to break the darkness. And oftentimes we think that God has deserted us and, and, uh, when, when we are in the storm. And we look around and we, all we see is blackness and darkness. But isn't it interesting that God often waits until the darkest moment to show up. He'll wait until your hope is almost gone to show up. He may not come at the time we think he should come, but he. But we know that when. But, but, but when he, we know that when he comes, he has what we need. You know, the old church used to say he may not come when you want him, but always on time. Well, if he's always on time, it's when I want him. <laughs> if he's always on time is when is when I want him. Now watch this. He may he he he, he may not come uh, when we think that he should come, but he will, he will come at the very moment that we most need him. Now notice that he waited until the ship was far from land as possible. So that all human hope was gone. 
He was testing the disciples' faith. And, and, and if you're going to have confidence in the face of the contrary, God must remove every human crutch because it's our dependence and codependency on people that makes our faith weak. We must suffer the brokenness of human frailty in order to be strengthened in our faith in God. Because human ingenuity can sometimes be a hindrance to our faith in God. This is why God sends us into the storm in the middle of no man's land. To expose uh, human frailty and to reveal his great and divine power. When, when, when Jesus came to the disciples in the storm, notice that he came in, in an unpredictable and unconventional manner. But the disciples did not recognize him and they thought he was a ghost. Because God, watch this, God wants to put you in a, in, a, in a place and in a situation that is unpredictable and unrecognizable. Because your familiarity with him will kill your intimacy, your desire for intimacy. Where, where, where my married couples at? We, we know that... Uh, Familiarity kills romance, right? Come on, somebody say amen. Y'all gonna make me preach all night. Familiarity kills romance. It kills romance. When you stop opening up the door. When you stop writing love notes. When you stop giving flowers and candy. That's familiarity. That kills romance. And romance, and if there's no romance, there's no intimacy. We get like that with God. We get so familiar with God. And we come to church and we say things like, I need a word. I need to get me a word. When really what you ought to be doing is having the word that God spoke to you confirmed. And so when we become familiar with God, watch this. There's a a tendency to be dependent on human beings. And so you come to church looking for a word from the bishop. But God wants to be your prophet. So when the bishop speaks, it's confirmation of what God has already said. So that no man will get the glory. He want to be your prophet. He, he wants to come in an unpredictable and unconventional manner. And, and, and when you don't reckon, oftentimes we get in these positions and we think that it's a ghost. But it ain't a ghost. It's God. Don't let the storm. 
you're going through, vandalize your perspective of God and short sight your faith. Jesus came walking on the water to show the disciples that the very thing that they feared was only a medium for a divine visitation. Touch somebody and tell them the devil ain't winning. He may be attacking. He may be uh, fighting you, but he ain't winning. What he's doing is only a medium for a divine visitation from your God. And what you need to do is not allow the storm to distract you. Just keep telling yourself, he told me to do it. He told me to do it. Look at somebody and tell them, just tell yourself, he told me to do it. He told me to do it. He told me to do it. Because if you don't tell yourself that he told you to do it, you might forget that he told you to do it. And then when you get in the middle of it, question whether he told you to do it or not. He told me to do it. So Jesus came walking on the water. What we fear, Christ has dominion over. The very thing that looks like it's going to swallow you up and take you under is under the feet of Jesus and therefore is under your feet so you can have confidence in the face of the contrary because Jesus has authority over it. I'm getting to my point in a minute. Jesus is walking on the water in the midst of the storm to show us that he is in complete control. Touch a mind and tell him God is still in control. I know that has become a cliche among some of us, but he's still in control. A storm has a way of discouraging you and blinding you to the presence of God. But while you're in the storm and the Lord is is getting ready to show up, even when you don't recognize that it's him, the Lord will speak a word to remove the confusion. See, that's the word that comes to you while you're in the assembly. The word that removes the confusion. The word that brings assurance that he'll meet you there. Notice what he said. He said, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. In other words, it's not a ghost. It's God. It's not the enemy, it's God. He's coming to comfort you. He's coming to be with you. God knows you've been drifting lately. And that's why he sent you into the storm. To bring you closer to himself. Some of you in here, your vision is kind of blurry. And you're a little confused and bewildered and you feel numb and distant. But hear the voice of the Lord over the sound of the crashing of the waves. Hear the voice of the Lord over the howl of the wind. Hear the voice of the Lord over the voice of failure, over poverty, over divorce, over the voice of sickness. Be of good cheer. 
it is I. Do not be afraid. That's assurance. That's assurance that says that, that, that you ain't going under. That, 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 that's, that's assurance that says that although the wind is contrary and boisterous, that, that you're in a controlled environment. Jesus controls the thermostat. You, you, you're in a controlled environment. Tell somebody, tell them it's just a test. You, you, you in a controlled environment because God, watch this, God, God is controlling the temperature of the heat of your storm. So that he can get out of you what he put in you. Touch somebody and tell them it's there. Yeah, it's there. It doesn't matter that you're in a storm. The Lord is there. Yes, you're at your breaking point, but the Lord is there. Yes, it seems like you're about to drown, but the Lord is there. The third assurance is that he will grow us there. It, it, it's the storm is the place of growth. Look at somebody and tell them the storm is the place of growth. The whole purpose of the storm is to help us grow in our faith. Because otherwise, if God did not bring us to a point where we're in the context that we must solely depend on him watch this we'll feed on other stuff that's not healthy for us we'll we'll feed on entertainment we'll we'll feed on vacationing we'll feed on our careers we'll feed on our spouses we'll we'll feed on it and that kind of feeding only makes you arrogant and proud. It only makes you arrogant and proud. Because, watch this, that which you are feeding upon is only the accomplishments of man. The Bible says, God, uh, man shall ni- not live by Bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. The phrase there, every word, means uh, the, the, the word for word there, the term word is rhema. And, and what it is, is it's, a, it's a portion. Rhema is a portion of the logos. Jesus is the logos. He's the Logos. He's the living Logos. Watch this. He's the incarnated Logos. And that's why he said, that's why he said, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. If you feed on me, you'll never die. 
But in order for you to have life in you, you must feed on Jesus. A man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. In other words, you can't eat the whole loaf at one time, but you can eat it one bite at a time. Oh, that just went over somebody's head. Look at somebody and tell them one bite at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why some of us are failing because we've been trying to eat the whole loaf with our deep selves. A little bit at a time. The whole sermon is not for you. Just a little bit. Touch somebody and tell them, take what you need and stop being greedy. Take what you need. Some of us just sitting up in church just eating for no reason. You ain't used the word you got last week. And so what God will do is he'll put us in a controlled environment. To grow us in our faith. Storms teach us how to trust God even when it seems like he's far from us and even when it seems like he doesn't care. As Jesus was walking on the water and after he assured the disciples that it was him. Verse 28, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, command me. Now notice what he says. Command me. Because he understands something about obedience. He says, command me to come to you, watch this, on the water. And so Jesus commanded Peter to come and Peter stepped out of the boat and began to walk on the water to go to Jesus. Now watch this. Peter was the millennial of the group. Yeah, he unconventional. While everybody else was chilling in the boat. All scared. Talking about it's a ghost. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, where my millennials at? Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. You always need a millennial in the boat. Because that's what God sends us into the storm to learn. He sends us into the storm, watch this, to learn how to acquire faith that breaks barriers. He he sends us into the storm to grow us to the point to where we can have confidence in the face of the contrary. The folk who telling you that you can't do it, touch them mind, tell them contrary. Yeah. You say blue, they say red. You go right, they go left. The sky is blue, no, it's gray. 
Tell somebody contrary. Contrary. Some of y'all in the midst of contrary folk right now. Tell somebody, tell them, don't look on the side. Don't look on the side. Just look straight ahead. Contrary folk operating in the spirit of Absalom, saying stuff behind your back, but too cowardly to say it in your face. Contrary folk running around whispering, trying to get other folks to have the same perspective of you that they have. Contrary folk. Listen, God has sent you into a storm so that you can have confidence in the face of the contrary. So that you can be bold in your faith. So when they say that you can't, can you say God said I can. How do I know he commanded me? God commanded me. So I know I can do it. Touch somebody and tell them God commanded me. God commanded me. So the contrary can shut their face. Because God commanded me. God sends you into the storm. So you can stop being timid. And learn how to be bold in your faith. You know that ghetto attitude they say you got? Well, God wants to transform that into holy boldness. You were a ride or die before Christ. You can be a ride or die in Christ. You are a gangster then. You can be a gangster in the spirit. God sent you into the storm to develop some sticticular fortitude. So when the storm come, you won't buckle. I would have said the other word, but we in church. So I got to exercise my educational vocabulary. (laughs) But you get the picture. The Bible says, the Bible says that Peter got out of the boat and he began to walk on the water to Jesus because Peter is the bold millennial of the group. But it was Peter's faith in the word of Jesus that caused him to walk on the water. The Bible says faith coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Peter's faith in the word of God empowered him with the ability to walk on his troubles. Are we all afraid, scared, and and cowering in the boat? Peter said, Lord, that's you. Command me to come to you on the water. 
You get in your storm, you ought to look up and say, God, that's you. Command me to come to you while walking on my troubles. Command me to learn how to put my troubles where they belong under my feet. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. The, the, the text, the text says, the text says, when, when, when he saw that the wind was boisterous. Right. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Now, one thing I like about Peter is that although he was sinking, he knew to cry out to. He knew who to cry out to. And a lot of us will sink and won't say nothing. We won't say nothing for fear of shame and embarrassment. You say to yourself, I done done all this. I done got way out here. And now, God, you're going to embarrass me. Because you told me to do it. But Peter said, I ain't going out like that. Lord, save me. I'm walking on the water at your command. And you can save me because I'm crying out. So he began to sink. Now watch this. What caused Peter to sink? His faith, watch this. His faith began to waver because he took his eyes off the Lord and became distracted by the boisterous wind. Singular, 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 singular. The boisterous wind. Now, in, in the Gospel of Mark, it talks about uh, uh, how Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. And a violent wind came up. The very grammar of the text indicates in Mark that the violent wind, listen, the violent wind was the cause of a satanic force. Here it is, here it is. No matter what the cause, know that God is still in control. Job did not know that it was God who said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job an upright man eschewing evil and turning away from it? It was God who brought it up. It was God who brought the challenge to Satan. It was God who was in control of the whole thing. 
Touch somebody and tell them God is in control. Now watch this. He took his eyes off. It became distracted by the boisterous wind. Now, the, the word boisterous here indicates something strong that has the authority to overpower. And so when Peter stepped out of the boat on faith, that which was contrary, that which was antagonistic and hostile, seems as if it had the authority to overpower him. And so when you step out on faith and begin walking in victory, sometimes that's when it looks like that you're the most defeated. But Jesus stretched out his hand. And caught him and said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The word translated doubt carries the meaning of standing uncertainly at two ways. In other words, Peter began to sink because he began to consider and entertain the the possibility of drowning. And when God blesses you with the opportunity to walk on your troubles, keep your eyes on Jesus because Jesus' word is truth and truth shows you the reality behind what appears. What, what, what's the reality behind what appears? You ain't going to drown. Look at somebody tell them you ain't going to drown. Peter got out there and it says that he began to sink. He began to sink. Now watch this. He began to sink because he began to doubt. He he became uncertain between two ways. And so what it is is he began to doubt whether he can make it to Jesus. And so he began to entertain going back. Okay, ain't nobody going to keep it real. I have seasons where every week I think about going back. I ain't talking about back to the world. I'm talking about back to comfort. Back to a, to a, to a, to a situation that's comfortable for me. I don't know about you, but I'm comfortable being an ordinary Joe. I'm comfortable holding down a job, going to work every day, and, 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 and taking my kids to school and taking my wife out to dinner. I'm comfortable with that. That's my comfort zone. That, that's the place where I'm most comfortable. Preaching is a calling. It is not something that I naturally prefer. I've had seasons where every week I contemplated going back. Ain't nobody going to keep it real. Make me want to say, forget all of this. The church folk are full of hell anyway. They belong to God. They don't need.
need me. Tell somebody, tell them, don't, don't act like you, want, you, you haven't been thinking about going back. Peter ain't the only one that, 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 that contemplated going back. Go back to the boat with all of the disciples cowering in the wind. Tell somebody and tell them I'll be okay with that. <laughs> I'll be okay with that. Let somebody else walk on the water. Hallelujah. The truth is, you might sink, but you ain't going to drown. The truth is, you might stumble, but you ain't going to fall. The truth is, although you might contemplate going back, the truth is that God is going to give you the faith and the hope and the love and the power to go forward. Notice what happened. Notice what happened. Jesus, after he rescued Peter, he brought him back to the boat. Listen, Jesus brought him back to the boat. Jesus brought him back to the boat. Because the original command was to get in the boat and go to the other side. I'll meet you there. So although God will bring you into the middle of the sea and where no man's land is, although God will allow you to exercise your faith and grow in your faith and walk on your troubles. The key to the text is he told them to get in the boat to go to the other side. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Once you've had your experience of walking on your trouble and growing your faith, watch this. Stay in the boat. Some of us, we church hop everywhere. Here and there. Stay and grow where God has planted you. Listen, I'm, I'm praying that, that, that some churches that are stubborn and arrogant and don't want to change, I pray that God shut them down. My prayer is God shut them down. Shut them down, God. If they don't want to obey you, shut them down so they won't blaspheme your name. God, I care about your glory more than about a building. My 
prayer is that God will shut down arrogant, stubborn folk that don't want to change. God close the door and raise up someone else. Oh, ain't nobody going to keep it real. Ain't nobody going to keep it real. When God saved Peter, he put him back in the boat. Watch this question. How did he get there? (laughs) By walking with Jesus. Tell somebody, tell them that's the whole point. When you're walking with Jesus, you have confidence in the face of the contrary. The wind can blow all at once. Because some folk just big old windpipes. Just talking. You know what I learned to do? I learned to let my actions speak louder than they talk. To have confidence in the face of the contrary. You know what? When you, when you, when you confront contrary people, they cower. Because all it is is wind. All it is is wind. They, they, they're puffed up with their own pride. All it is is wind. In order for us, listen, in order for us, not just to survive, but to thrive in this season, we have to have confidence in the face of the contrary. Why, Bishop? Because they ain't going nowhere. And so because they ain't going nowhere, what you need to do is strengthen your faith. You need to strengthen your faith. Watch this. Don't run away from them. Confront them. Touch somebody tell them, don't run away. Confront it. Peter got out of the boat to walk on the water because he was confronting the contrary. He said, look, y'all can stay here and cow in the boat all you want. But if that's God, I'm going to tell him to command me. Sometimes you come to a point to where you're tired of being afraid. Y'all remember growing up, right? I had this friend. He was, man, this guy was very, he was scared, scared of his shadow. He was, he was scary. We used to always fight for him. But one day, they hemmed him up in the restroom. And he was so afraid that he got tired of being afraid and became courageous. And it took about three security guards to pull him off that guy. 
because you get to a point where you're tired of being, how many folk are tired? You're tired of being afraid. Look at somebody and tell them, I'm tired of being afraid. God is talking to you. He said, be confident in the face of the contrary. Notice what he did. He put them back in the boat. And they went to the other side. I don't care how strong the storm blows. Listen, don't abandon your appointed place. Because God is working. Where he has appointed you. I'm I'm through. Let me say this. I'm through. We act so nonchalantly. When it comes to relationship. and, And advancing the kingdom of God. And we in this church. That church. This fellowship. That fellowship. Because we have no sense of divine purpose. If you have a sense of divine purpose, you're not quick to upset where you are and leave. Amen. You'll endure. Amen. And then after some endurance, God will give you discernment. And then you may leave. Amen. Amen. The point here is. The confidence that God wants to build in you will not happen if you abandon the place that he appointed for you. Amen. Be sure that God told you to do it. And if God told you to do it, And the storm arise. Wait in the storm for God. And when you see something that looks a little unconventional and unpredictable. Don't get scared and say it's a ghost. Say Lord is that you? Because if everything you think is a ghost may be your deliverance. You're afraid to step out. And do what God called you. That's your deliverance. You're afraid to start the business. And you know God called you to it. That's your deliverance. Your appointed place is where God is going to grow you. Grab the hand of your neighbor. Father, in the name of Jesus. Pray for every soul in this place that you would develop us and grow us. God, give us staying power in the storm. God, cause our faith to grow in the storm. Cause us, oh God, to have confidence in you in the midst of the storm. 
Lord, when we're impatient, grant us more endurance in the midst of the storm. God, when we want to run away, abandon like a vagabond, Lord. Just, just, just give us staying power, God. Cause us to trust you and not in man. Grow us in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Very quickly.